Oh, like stamp collecting. No, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. Live from the Stamp Show Here Today infotainment complex, this is the award-winning Stamp Show Here Today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. You can support this witless Tosh by joining the Stamp Show Here Today community. The cost is only $10 for a lifetime membership. We are an ABS-affiliated club. Listen to the end credits for information on joining. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Jim. And here's a trick. If you get nothing else out of this podcast, here is a tidbit of information which very, very few people know. Did you know that the state of Mississippi has a state anthem and the state anthem has kazoos and a slide whistle in it? Yeah, so if you're a kazoo player... You'll always have a job in Mississippi. There you go. So you have uh, something about scored perfs. Yeah. Did you know um, that on booklet stamps, U.S. booklet stamps, like say, for instance, uh, example, um, Scott number um, two one one six, which is the uh, which is the flag, uh, the booklet paint of five twenty two cent flag. Um, there is a listing for the book of paint of five, and then there is a listing below it that says scored perforations, and it's the same price. Um, and uh, I had a customer who, who ordered a, that booklet from me, and, and he said, I want the one with the scored perforations. So I sent it to him, and he uh, wrote me back, and he says, hey, you didn't send me the right pane. This one has perforations, not scored perforations. Like little holes. Right, yeah. So I explained, well, all booklets have perforations, unless it's unless it's a unless it's an error, um, and the scoring is something that's added in addition to the perforations. And um, he said, "Well, you know, he didn't know anything about that. He thought that the scored perforations were roulettes, uh, which is um, which there are rouletted stamps. Like for example, I think it's a twenty-nine cent red rose uh, coil is rouletted. Um, it is, yeah." Oh. Okay. Um, and, of course, there's uh, a lot of the early um, revenue stamps are related. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the scored perforations, it's not in the front of the catalog. You, where, where the glossary is, they don't describe scored perforations. And the, and the guy said that he had, he had scoured the Internet trying to figure out, you know, what the heck are scored perforations? There's no definition anywhere. So what they are is there is a series of uh, dash dents, dash type dents, that are um, that are impressed on the paper, on the booklet pane, um, and I think the reason is is to make it easier to separate. Um, is it on all the stamps or just the stamps where the fold is? Uh, no, it's on it's on all the rows that have perforations. Yeah, okay. Um, and usually the scoring uh, corresponds with the perfoles, so they're right there with the perfoles. But on occasion, you'll see. I, I, I what I did was I, I showed him a picture of one pane that I have where. The scoring is about a millimeter off from the perforation, so the scoring is really easy to see. Mm. And I obliquely lit it, and then took a picture, and and that's how you can you know, that's how you can more readily see it. And when he saw it, he was like, "Oh my gosh, I, you know, this is something uh, brand new to me." So uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's something to uh, you know, uh, not all panes have scoring, um, but uh, most of them do. So the one that it was a millimeter off. Uh huh. 
could you have torn it along those? Is the scoring strong enough where you can separate the stamps with it? No, no. If if you would have tried to tear it, it would have gone through through the perforations because the scoring it's it it doesn't it doesn't break the fibers. It's it's more like a, an embossing. I wonder why it's there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just I yeah. It's just kind of a weird thing. But uh, but yeah, most uh, most paints are scored, but some aren't. So. So now I know about scored perfs. Yeah. And you know about the Mississippi State Anthem. Yes. We trade. That was a good trade. <laughs> Jim, what do you have to trade? To trade? Yeah, some information. You got scored perfs. You got Mississippi Anthem. And we saw a junior duck stamp today Ah, that yes. had um, rouletted perforations. And we were trying to decide, how do we describe this? It... And most new rouletted stamps that we see in U.S. have uh, kind of wider, um, longer, like dashes. dashes. Yeah, and this was a very, very tight one. So, like, if you were describing the um, roulette as roulette eight, then this would have been maybe a roulette twelve or fifteen or something like that. In other words, there was a lot more. Little dashes per inch. And what state was it from? I forget which state. I can't remember either. But it was a well, junior duck it stamp. It was a junior duck stamp because obviously the, the um, federal duck stamps are perforated. Yeah. Well, and when you showed it, I half disagreed. Didn't 100% disagree, right. but half disagreed because I don't think they're rouletted. I think that they're, it, it looks almost like a pin perf. Yep. It's not punching holes like a hole punch would. It's more like pin perfs. And so what I called it, uh, well, it, it's hard to describe, but I said they were die cut because die cutting doesn't take paper away. Yeah. And these like didn't have paper taken away. Most of the Which die cut roulette doesn't take paper away either. It just slices it. But. Yeah, and that's a that's a, actually probably a pretty good um, explanation because die cutting that we normally see is on the self adhesive stems, and they're on that paper backing, and so but these were not. This was not on a backing, so it was, um, for lack of a better word, feathered. Yeah, it had a lot of. Um, uh, I guess you'd call it feathering, but you know where the perforations had been separated. And so it didn't, it, it kind of looked in, in between, really. You know? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. Uh, can you look up and see what it is, they describe it is uh, in the Scott's catalog? We have one right in front of us. Yeah. Which, by the way... While I'm, I'm doing that, talk about something else. Well, I, I was <laughs> going to talk about the Scott's catalog. There you go. The Scott's, Jim Forty. Brought this up at lunch. Uh, shout out to Jim. Um, the Scott's catalog is now like $120. And you get it digitally. And you get it for a year. And I was just thinking, that's terrible. Well, the digital price is, is, is it a little bit lower than the printed price it is it is okay but it's, but, a, it's a small amount lower not a lot by any stretch right but there are places that you can get the 
um, the printed version cheaper than the than the MSRP. Yeah. So uh, so it ends up uh, what he's pointing out is it ends up that and there's no way to get the digital version any cheaper. So what it ends up is if you are a uh, uh, a, a, a person who is regularly buys Scott catalogs, you've, you know, you've got a source where you can get it for a little bit cheaper, and so it's more expensive. The digital version is more expensive than the printed version. Yeah, and it should be kind of the other way around. Well, if you buy a year old, then it's way more expensive. Oh yeah, but you can't get a year old digital version mm-hmm. because it literally expires on you. Right. And so I was like, that's not, I wonder how many people are going to be digital customers. The APS allows you to save 10 bucks on your membership by uh, getting it digitally. And personally, I think the APS has one of the best magazines out there. Uh, Between them and Kelleher Connections, you know, those are the two that put everybody else to shame. And to get it digitally means you have to read it on the computer instead of wherever else you might be sitting while you're reading magazine. Um, but it doesn't seem like it's $10 worth of discount. It, we, if, I don't think the digital media is good. I don't think that it lasts. It's great for research. It's great for AI. But it's terrible if you just want to read articles. Yeah. Yeah. So the Scott catalog does not list the junior stamps. They don't? I was surprised too. However, this in the state section, there are several of the illustrated stamps that are rouletted with the longer oblongs. Oh, Yeah. The normal ones that you—they're like dashes, yeah. Yeah, and but it looks like there's some like I see there from. Uh, this is, oh, you're looking for the state, Illinois. Oh uh, yeah, like from Indiana, where uh, uh, it looks like a hyphen hole perforation. Right. Well, which, usually which rouletting is sort of a hyphen. Well, there's a difference yeah. between a roulette and a hyphen hole. Right. A roulette doesn't take paper away. Mm-hmm. A hyphen hole does. Yeah. Yeah. And I can think of uh, the Kansas City roulettes yep. is more like a hyphen hole than than a roulette, really, because y- you can see through the yeah you know the perforations. Well, the interesting thing about that, um, did you know that there's eight different types of Kansas City roulettes? Oh. I always thought there was just one. Me too. There's eight different ones. Oh, I thought it was just one, and the, and there were varieties. Yeah. Scott said he learned that at the show this weekend. So no. Oh. So, so me and Scott both learned this within the last three days. <laughs> yeah, it, I have seen things that didn't look like the Kansas City roulette that um, we've had to discuss, had the discussion, and basically it's private rouletteing of unknown nature or yeah. unknown origin because we weren't sure. Now, if we can get some, what what happened is the uh, information we got was that the postmaster in Kansas City ordered or got eight different or eight um, rouletting. 
wheels. Yeah, so that more than one person would be doing it. But it's very possible that they were all the same. Yeah. It's also possible they were all different and or any combination of that. So we don't know, but you will see things described either from us philatelically in a, in a uh, cert- certificate or in auctions, um, you know, roulettein of unknown origin. And just uh, going back, uh, for those Kansas City roulettes, is U.S. number 409 is what it's typically shown on. That's the two-cent George Washington head that has imperforated. It's imperforated. It, it, 409 has two-cent two at the bottom, it right? Has, yeah. It has the numerals. Yeah, too. it has the numerals. Yeah, also so, Scott 408, the one-cent. Yeah, the, okay, so I... Oh, yeah. Have yeah. I seen... Okay. Uh, yeah, I have both, yeah. Okay, so the two-cent... They got imperforated sheets, and they ruled these perforations in them in Kansas City because back then the government didn't waste money. Today, it's a little bit different. Um, but back then, you know, they got them, and they go, well, what the hell are we going to do with these? Oh, I got a good idea. Let's pizza cut. And basically what the rouletting is is it's like a pizza cutter. Um, actually, it's a fabric cutter, and they just put notches in it so that the notch wouldn't cut the paper. So you'd roll the pizza cutter or uh, the uh, fabric cutter across, and it would make the little hyphen holes, and every time it hit one of those little divots, it wouldn't. And so that's how you get the rouletting. Yeah, and I think that uh, explanation of the pizza cutter is much more valuable than the fabric cutter because... Most of us don't use the fabric cutter, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. everybody uses a pizza cutter. Yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, actually, they did this back in the 1850s before they started perforating the U- turning U.S. number 11 into U.S. number 25, where they perforated it. Individual postmasters would use sort of like a pizza cutter, we wouldn't be a fabric cutter, um, and roulette the stamps in Wilson Hume who passed away many, many years ago, um, he was an expert on this. And I would love to see, you know, it, unfortunately he didn't write up nearly as much as he could have, but these roulettes on U.S. number 11s are there. They're very scarce and they're very valuable. If you see a number 11 with rouletting, it's not a normal number 11. It's a much more valuable one. It's like the Chicago Perf. Right. Yep, very much like it. Except that's an interesting one because they weren't, it, it was interesting in my mind. It wasn't actually perforated in lines like a pizza cutter would. They actually printed it in U shaped perforations. So they'd perforate the top half of the stamp, half the side, the top, and the other half. And they'd turn it around and do half the other side, the bottom, and the other half. They never lined up perfectly. So the way you look at uh, when you're going through number 25s, because number 26s are different, you, you go through your number 26s too. There may be some number 25s hidden in there. But the top and the bottom perforating doesn't exactly line up. And whenever you see that, you go, aha. 
And uh, bonus points, of course, if it's got a Chicago cancel, that's a big indicator, <laughs> too. Although they were used in other places, rarely. Most of them are Chicago cancels. The, the last one I saw in auction, actually, I think it had a New York postmark on it. Yeah, I remember that one, too. And it, it was one of a very few where a traveling salesperson took the stamps mm-hmm. and just went around on his route and would mail a report back home to Chicago so if you looked, it was postmarked in New York, but it was addressed to Chicago. Way off the subject. Uh, back to it. That's why I don't think that this junior duck stamp, and by the way, the junior duck stamps, we'll describe that in a second, um, isn't a roulette because it was made in a way that wasn't by the rose or something like that. And so it's, it, but it's really weird. I wish it was listed in the Scott's catalog so we could get their opinion. Well, I, uh, to finalize on the state stamps that we can see, the uh, illustrations in the catalog that are rouletted, they are not listed as rouletted. You know, like you, you get a perf. Oh, yeah. Uh, at the heading, yeah. it's a perf 10 or perf 12. This, this just says without gum. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't say. Now here's one. Yep, says rouletted nine and a half. Here's one that's perf twelve and a half. So, yeah, I don't know. So anyway, junior duck stamps are. Uh, that's from the. Ju- it's again a. You do not have to buy these for a hunting hunting license. These are strictly for raising money, to preserve wildlife. Yeah. Well, there may be. Uh, was this a, was this a state junior duck stamp? Because there's a federal junior duck stamp. Oh yeah, was it a state or a federal? You know, I don't remember now. We were it, looking so yeah. so engrossed with the preparations yeah. and the, whatever they were. I don't know. Because yeah, the the federal are JD one through JD twenty seven, I think. Or no, twenty. Shout JD, out JD thirty JDS thirty. Shout out to Bob Dumain. At uh, Sam Houston Stamps in Texas, he is the expert on duck stamps, and I wish that uh, <laughs> we had contacted uh, the, him before this. Yeah, the junior duck stamps that are listed were all perforation. Yeah. So. So, Mark, you just got back from the Arizona Stamp Show. How was the show? Uh, it was. It was good. Um, I didn't know what to expect because there wasn't any really uh, any kind of material posted online or anything like that. So we just kind of showed up um, to the hotel. Um, it was at a Holiday Inn uh, right off the freeway, so it was very convenient to get to. Free parking. Uh, went into the show, and there were there was sort of a main floor. Then there was sort of an alcove to the main floor where Michael Ball was set up. And then off to the side, there was another door to another room that had the exhibits and also other dealers oh they had exhibits yeah they did have exhibits not many but a few well you have to have 125 frames to be a wsp aps blessed show and i know he they didn't hit that number Mm -hmm. but uh, did you notice that there were ribbons on the show uh on the exhibits i i glanced through the exhibits but i didn't i didn't see at the end of the show i didn't stay for the whole show either because i ran out of money (laughs) <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, I spent more than, than what's in my checking account. So as per the usual agreement, those dealers who deposit their checks first tend to be the happiest. <laughs> I, I told Scott, you know, you've got 
checks in your checkbook, you must have money. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just write the check. Well, interesting story about this. Arapex was always a fantastic show. And it would have been last weekend. Uh, it got shut down for various reasons. Um, and not really shut down. It's just they didn't get a location. And then the APS said, uh, we have a problem with how you're doing your exhibits. And they took away the WSP standard to it. And there's quite a few exhibitors who are competing for champion of champions and stuff like that. You know, if you're going to spend $250 to show up or 350, excuse me, to show off your exhibit, you want it to count point wise towards something else. You don't just want it to be a local club show and, uh, they couldn't do that. And so I heard also that the location was booked by somebody else and stuff like that. So Michael Ball said, you know, if Arapex is going away, I'll just have a show the very next week and I'll ride the coattails of Arapex. And I was very curious whether he would be able to ride the coattails of Arapex or if he would be starting a show from scratch. And trust me, starting a show from scratch sucks. I did the Las Vegas show now for three years. It takes a long time to develop a show. But it sounds like it was a very successful show. Uh, at least for me it was, yeah. Well, what'd you buy? Uh, oh, gosh, I bought a lot of different things. I got a, uh, from uh, from Dave Blackhurst, I've got a, uh, a blue paper, um, the 10-cent blue paper issue. Um, I got a uh, PR93, which is one of the special printings. Um, so hopefully that will pass muster. With, uh, it does have an APS cert, um, so that's, that's good. Um, and, uh, and just a lot of individual stamps, you know, for... for uh, um, you know, adding in my own inventory and that type of thing. So yeah, it was really, it was really good. Good, excellent. So how much did you spend? Eighty six hundred. Oh wow! <laughs> Holy mackerel! Yeah, I know some of That's the. That's my annual budget. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of listeners are going out there going. $8,600, I've never seen that before in my life. And other ones are going, $8,600, I just bought a new briefcase for that. Yeah, I just <laughs> so, bought a watch. Yeah, I just bought a watch. <laughs> that was the down payment. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for me, $8,600 is a lot. For you, it is. Uh, Jim, I'm assuming the same. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a pretty good amount. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say that um, I was talking to Scott today, and he said that it, at the show... The, there were three rooms, and you didn't enter into the middle room. You entered through the first room you came to. So he, he said it was very hard to realize that there were three other rooms with dealers in them. No. Unless you happen to see the sign or know it or whatever, mm. you know. And I was thinking at the time when he, he told me that, that you would expect that kind of thing to happen at the first show that you yeah. ran. Because, you know... People you walk just, away and go, holy crap, there were two more rooms. Yeah. And and next time they set that up, they need that feedback, so I'm offering it. Yeah. yeah. Well, my understanding is that the next year they do plan to be in the convention center. Oh, that's so, interesting. yeah. So if that happens, then it's all one big room. Yeah. 
Well, the harsh part is the economics of shows now doesn't support exhibiting. And without exhibiting, you've got a lot of wasted space in that convention center. Um, the dealers subsidize the exhibitors by a lot. You have to, you know, you have the frames, you have to store them, you have to buy them. Then you have to store them between shows. Then you have to move them in and set them up and take them down and ship them back to storage. And then all the floor space. And then the judges. You have to pay the way of the judges to come out, and you require quite a few judges, and they are expensive. And so I'm very curious is if Mr. Ball has a WSP exhibit show or just puts some exhibits in the back. If he, if he puts some exhibits in the back, I'll put mine up. I mean, I love showing off my exhibits. Um, if he goes WSP, it is incredibly expensive. It will be interesting, though. Yep. Well, anything else? Congratulations, Michael Ball, for having a successful show. And everybody else, keep collecting. We need your help. Nothing on the Internet is free, including our phone and Internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this Silcom was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.